0: Corinthians and Chapter Number One. We've had a very happy, a uh, very challenging journey through First Corinthians. I think it's fair to say that, um, and we're now beginning Second Corinthians. Normally, when we begin a book to study, we would give a kind of a little background to the place and the people and the customs and all that, so as you understand that. We'll have to leave that for now. Um, we've done that for First Corinthians, it's the same people he's writing to essentially. Uh, but if you do want to enjoy those things, you can go back and listen to them on the website. I've been saturated in 2 Corinthians now for maybe a month or so, and um, this first 11 verses that we're going to look at this morning, if you know anything about them, I hope you'll know how scared I am to speak about them, to be quite honest with you. And the reason for that is. is they're all about enduring sufferings and knowing the comfort of the Lord. And I don't want to speak beyond my experience. I genuinely don't want to speak beyond my experience. Because when you talk about things, the Lord always tests you on the reality of what you say. And we don't want to speak beyond our experience. And I don't want to say things that I wouldn't be faithful to if the test came my way. So we want to be really careful with what we say, particularly about this first section of First Corinthians. There is some similarities between 1st Corinthians and 2nd Corinthians but there are actually some quite striking differences between 1st and 2nd Corinthians. This is, a, this is a continuing letter, it's a, 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 a follow up letter, it's a connected letter and if you piece together all the pieces in 1st Corinthians and 2nd Corinthians, it's probably the fourth letter actually that Paul's written to Corinth and there's been a bit of correspondence between them. Two of these letters are lost, two are preserved, which means that the two that are lost probably contain very uh, spiritual wisdom, but the two that were preserved are preserved because of the authority of God. And that's why we have Second Corinthians here. It's also a very personal letter as you go through the letter. You'll discover you will talk about the assembly, but in First Corinthians, it was more about the, the company of the Lord's people and how they behaved and how they were, uh, how they were functioning. But in this letter speaks on much more personal matters. And there's a lot more personal testimony uh, of Paul in Second Corinthians. And he, he does give us some insights and says some things about himself that he doesn't say in any other places and he talks about personal circumstances. And so, one of the things we'll learn from 1 Corinthians 1 to 11 this morning is that personal circumstances are a great equipping factor in helping <laughs> other people. So Paul, as we read this book, is not speaking beyond on his experience. He's not afraid because he's been through it and he's in a much better position to give ministry of these things than now But it is a very encouraging letter we we'll we see, it talks about challenges, it talks about persecutions, but it's a great challenging letter, and particularly in this first section, 1 to 11, if you just look at it, look and see how prominent his theme of comfort is. Comfort. He wants to bring comfort to the Lord's people. So, so let's read the verses, and we'll, we'll see how we go through this study. It's a big uh, section with a lot of truth in it. We'll try and get through it as best we can. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother and to the church of God which is at Corinth with all the saints which are in Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just stop there. That introduction will say no more about this. That's not just a, a platitude formal introduction by, by Paul. That's something really, really important. He wants to give greetings. He wants to have a fellowship with others and what he's going to say. But notice what he says, Paul and apostle, right? So what he's saying is, look, I've got authority when I'm writing this letter. to you. Now he's been challenged at Corinth many, many times by what they call super apostles. <coughs> There's people there that are trying to undermine Paul's uh, authority to say that he's not really speaking for God. And Paul says, listen, excuse me, Paul, apostle, So he's not boasting. He's just saying that he has the authority to speak on the behalf of God. And while others will challenge him and others will undermine him, he has the authority to speak. He's the authority of God. Folks, that's really important. Because the writings of the Apostle Paul are being very severely and overtly challenged in the 20th century that we live people say things like, but that was only Paul, that's what they'll say, and Paul says not excuse me, I'm not boasting, and he'll he'll talk about his conversion, (coughs) he saw the Lord and he was specially commissioned by the Lord, and time and time again he'll call himself an apostle. So the greeting is a, a greeting of desire, of grace and peace for the people, but it's really had him establishing what he's going to say is authoritatively the word of God. And we'll see no more about that introduction, we'll see more about these next few verses. As well. Verse 3, Blessed be the God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any tribulation by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, that word consolation is Movida, we'll is exactly the same word as comfort, it's a different one. Just the same word so our comfort also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation, comfort, and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings so ye shall also be of the consolation and comfort, For we would not have you, brethren, to be ignorant of our trouble which came unto us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raiseth the dead who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that, for the gift bestowed upon us by means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on your behalf. And that is the word of the Lord. The Lord will bless the Lord with you. Paul's language It's not always the easiest to follow. And so when we read, we have to take care when we read and make sure we're understanding exactly what he says. When you read this letter of 2 Corinthians, it very clearly exposes the fallacy of the modern gospel message that says this, that God wants you to have your best life now. That is an absolute fallacy. (coughs) If you went to a Christian bookshop, and you went around the Christian bookshop, you would think that Christianity is all about being comfortable, all about being in ease, all about enjoying the things of this world. And Paul's going to say that being comfortable and enjoying God's comfort are not exactly the same thing, they're quite different. You know what people say these days, if you have enough faith... Name it and claim it, it'll come to you. If you have enough faith, you won't never be sick. If you have enough faith, you'll never be poor. If if you want a Mercedes, if you have enough faith, you'll get it. Well, folks, if ever there was a believer who was strong in his faith and consistent in his faith, it was the Apostle Paul. And when you read this book, you'll discover this. He never thought about the present He always thought about eternity. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Sufferings of this present life are not worthy to compare with the glory that is stored up for us in heaven. You'll discover this that Paul was not a man that enjoyed earthly prosperity. Matter of fact, time and again, you're talking about this book about the times he suffered poverty. (coughs) Now, he's no greater faith than the Apostle Paul. You'll discover this that he was not a popular man. There were times when people would like him, but it was most of the time when he was actually persecuted. Not just by the the enemies of the cross, but often by professing believers. And he was not a man that enjoyed popularity at all. He was actually a man whose life was more characterised by persecution. And if you read this book, you'll discover this. His life was not a life of pleasure, it was mostly a life of pain. It was mostly a of pain. And so this book alone puts to death the modern myth of this prosperity message that says that God only ever wants you to be happy and wealthy and prosperous and Paul says, excuse me, I want to tell you that most of my Christian life not been like that at all. Let's read a few verses later on in the book and I'll show you what I mean. Listen to this. This is Paul in chapter 4. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of the Lord Jesus may remain manifest in our body. Okay, maybe it happens occasionally. Paul. Well, well let, me, let me tell you in chapter 6. Let's well, do what it says in chapter 6. But in all things, approving yourselves to be ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labours, in watchings, in fastings, by long suffering, by kindness, by love, and fear. Listen to chapter one. In labours more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save once. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered a shipwreck, a night and a day I had been in the deep, in journeys often, etc, 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 etc. And Paul says, I've been faithful to Christ and I've suffered the Lord. Paul's only telling us what the Lord Jesus told his disciples, isn't it? He says, in this world, ye shall have tribulation. So, what I want to talk to you today about is the comfort that comes in the midst of difficulties. And that's how Paul starts. As you go down through this little section that we've read today, he talks about tribulation. And he talks about sufferings. And he talks about afflictions. But he says this. Because I'm a Christian, something wonderfully supernatural can take me through all these things. Because I know the Lord, there's something that lifts me higher than all the difficulty I'm suffering in the world. And it's not earthly comfort and it's not earthly prosperity, it's the supernatural comfort that comes only from God. And what Paul is saying is this, he's saying life is not about enjoying being comfortable, it's about enjoying God. It's about enjoying God. God. Now folks, please, I just want to say, the Lord's not wanting to make you miserable. Right, okay? The Lord's not wanting to make you suffer as much as you possibly can, and the more suffering you get, the better the Christian. That's not the type of God we have with a good and a loving and a kind God. But the real lesson of the word of God is that if you live truly as a Christian, you're going to have tough times. You're going to have tough times. And Paul starts off by talking about how should Christians react when tough times come upon them. That's what he's going to say to us in these first 11 verses. How should you react? Well, if we went back to um, the end of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, you remember what he says there? My brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Always about in the work of the Lord. At the end of chapter 16. He says this, watch ye therefore, stand fast in faith, quickly let men be strong, let all things be done with charity. Do you know what Paul says? When times get tough, don't give up. And that's what he's going to say in these first order verses. And he's going to say that if you don't give up, and you stay faithful and true to the Lord, despite the troubles and persecutions and afflictions and tribulations that will come on you, God will give you something that you could never, ever have imagined naturally. God can do things that we can't even begin to imagine. And that when times get tough, you can keep going. You can keep going. But, sometimes you don't feel like that, do you? Sometimes you do feel like giving up. Well, I do. Sometimes I think this is too tough for me and you come across something that's a problem and, and you think, I think I'll just give it. I'll think, Let me tell you, if you've ever felt like that, don't be beating yourself up because you're not the only one that felt like that. Do you remember the psalmist in Psalm 73? He's living a godly life and all he's getting is First Corinthians chapter 1. That's all he's getting. All he's getting is afflictions and tribulations and persecutions and poverty and all he's getting. And this is what this is what David says in Psalm 73. I'm looking around at all the ungodly, and they're doing my better than me. They've got a better car, and a better house, and they're not suffering, and they've got bigger bank balances, and I'm sticking to the truth, and I'm getting, I'm getting this is what he says. Truly God is good to Israel. Really. To such as have a clean heart. But as for me. My feet were almost broke. My steps were well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Do you know what you say? Living as a Christian's tough. And it seems as though i was getting better than me. I think I'll just give up and go back. I think I'll just give up. I think I'll just have a quiet and comfortable life like everybody else. This is what he says. When I thought to know this, it was too painful to me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. What David is saying, this is what Paul is going to say in these first 11 verses, is we need to look at our trials in the way that God looks at them, And we need to look at our trials not in the light of our strength and our abilities, but we need to look at our trials in the light of the character of a good God that will pour out abundantly from heaven, not only from our circumstances, but comfort in our circumstances. Comfort in our circumstances. So as we go down through this little section, there's four things I want to say in 15 minutes. And if you think I can say four things in 15 minutes, you know, I just want to look at this, the principle of how we get through tough times. When trials and tribulations and sufferings come on. What's the what's the underlying principle that keeps us going? Here's the underlying principle. God is sufficient. God is enough. God is enough. And he says, the God of all comfort. You see that? Folks, we must live our life with a right understanding about the character of God. The modern message is that God is a genie in a bottle. Mm-hmm. You just rub when you want something good. And if you don't get something good, it means you're not rubbing hard enough. Right? God is good. God is not a genie in a bottle to be used like that. But God is good. God is faithful. God is able. God is great, God is sovereign, God is almighty, and unless we understand the character of God, we won't understand the, the way our circumstances we want. Then we'll look at the purpose that God hasn't tried. What is the purpose that God hasn't tried well? Two, twofold. One is we get to know him better, don't we? We get to know God better when we go through trials. Why? Because we hold on tighter and we get ourselves closer. That's why he says the God of all comfort. You'll discover that God is all comfort, But he says there's another reason for trials as well. Because see when you get comforted from God, you're going to be able to take that comfort, put it in the bank, and then draw alongside somebody else who's going through similar troubles. And you're going to be able to be used by God to pass on the comfort that he gave you in the first place. So not only are you going to go draw closer to the Lord, you're actually going to be more useful on earth. And that the trials and persecutions and afflictions and troubles are going to bring a comfort and consolation that will not just do you good, but they're going to do other people good as well. So you're going to become a channel of blessing to others. And then there's that kind of predicament. What do you do, And you come what benefit is there in this? What benefit is there in this? Here's the benefit. Look at this. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. There are troubles and, 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 and difficulties. They should bring us comfort. And when we get comfort from God, it makes us trust God more. It builds our faith up. You see what they're doing? The troubles and the consolations are helping us to understand God more, they're helping us to help other people more, and they're helping us to build up our faith more. (coughs) And you think to yourself, Lord, I really don't want all that stuff if you don't mind, I'd rather what? I'd rather not. And then right at the end there's a miraculous thing. And it's the prayer. Look at this. Paul's totally convinced that God is sufficient. Totally convinced that God is sufficient. Right? That God will give them all comfort in every circumstance. And he's not doubting one for a minute that God would do that. But look what he says. Verse he 11. Ye also help him together by prayer for us. And Paul says there's a mystery here. But one of the things that God uses to minister comfort to me is your prayers. That because you're praying, God's comforting me. No, no. no. God is omnipotent, omnipotent, sovereign and great. But he uses means. He uses means. God can do anything without us, can he? God doesn't need us. But he chooses to use us. And God doesn't need our prayers, but he chooses to use our prayers. And Paul says, one of the reasons I'm enjoying the comfort of God is not because just because God is great and God is good and God is sufficient. One of the reasons I'm enjoying this comfort is because you prayed for me. Folks that really encourages us to pray for each other, doesn't it? Because if we don't pray for each other, we're failing in what God has asked us to do for each other. So, let's just say a couple of things. is the normal world of every Christian. Folks, Christians are not exempt from suffering. Or know what? No. We don't get a free pass. We don't get immunity. We live in a world where we're going to have to suffer. And I don't think God's a God that wants to make us suffer. But just by virtue of the fact that we're in this life and we're living for God in a world that hates God, suffering's coming our way. It's just going to come. And so he's, look at the words in this passage. Tribulation, trouble, suffering, affliction. In the first 11 verses. Boy, that's a kind of miserable way to open a letter to of isn't it? Was like, it was like Moses. Remember Moses when the Lord told me to go to Pharaoh? He says, he says, Pharaoh's not going to believe you. And then so when you go to the people, they're not going to believe you as well. That's a kind of bad job description, isn't it? Right To the start. And he said, listen, for a Christian folks, there are three sources of trouble in life, right? Okay, at least eight. Number one is this. We live in a fallen world. We don't live in a perfect world. And so, Sickness, injury, bereavement, unemployment, all come our way just because we live in the world. Paul is not exempt from that. Do you know he talks in in, in chapter 9 or chapter 12? He says, You know, I've got an affliction and I've prayed three times that the Lord would take it away from me. Some people think it was his eyesight, whatever it is, it's something that he's suffering from because he lives in a fallen world and he's praying the prayer of faith. He's praying the prayer of faith. And the Lord says, no, I'm not going to take it away. This is what Paul says. Paul says this. And God said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength has been perfect in Mm weakness. So we just get it because we're here. But God is sufficient. God is sufficient. Peter, however, says there's another way that Christians suffer. Do you know how Christians suffer? What Peter says, what he says. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as a busybody, or in any other man's matters. There's times when Christians can behave themselves in an unchristian, ungodly way and bring bad consequences upon themselves, suffering. I remember I, I, I was I was in prison, and I, I was in prison visiting. You know what I mean? Okay. I uh, opened the door and I visited a man and I introduced myself as a Christian. and He says, Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you're a Christian. I said, But you're back in jail. Yeah. He said, ah, I'm a Christian, but, but, but you've no understanding. He said, Even Paul went to jail. <laughs> I said, So you're in jail for preaching the gospel, are you? No, he was in jail because he had preached that on streaming He old girlfriend. You see what happened to that boy? Even if he was a Christian. He'd been behaving like a non-Christian, and because he was behaving in an ungodly way, suffering came upon him. That's not what Paul's talking about here. The type of suffering and tribulation and come and affliction that God comforts us in is the suffering and affliction that comes for us because we're a Christian, because we're living as a Christian, because we're being faithful to Him. So Paul Peter says this: If any man suffer. As a Christian, let him not be ashamed. So, as we read this little section, we're going to not look at in detail, listen to this. Trouble, tribulation, afflictions. And this is why I'm scared to speak about these things, because I'm terrified. Can actually be beneficial to a Christian's life. And folks, that is not Jim McMaster standing here saying, Lord, I want trouble to make me a better Christian. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm doing. But the Lord's saying this. Trouble. If you're exercised by God. And I want God to work in your life. It can actually bring benefits in your Christian life. That's what Paul said. He's going to get to know God. And so look what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. Who comforted us in all our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them. He says he's the God of all comfort. Do you know what that means? He's a God who can give unlimited quantity of comfort. Right? There's no limit to the comfort that God can bring to his people in the midst of sin, There's no place you can go that's going to be beyond his reach to comfort you. There's no circumstance that's going to be too bitter that he can't sweeten with his comfort. He's not just a God who can bring comfort in quantity. He's the God who can bring comfort in quality. It's not just platitudes or niceties or trite sayings which are so prevalent amongst the modern day evangelical preaching. Think positively. Smile. Everything will be fine. This is not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that God brings a quality of comfort that can be given any time and any place without limit, and it will be a quality of comfort that can never be sourced in any other place. What is comfort? Oops. I'll you in the middle of the night wondering how to define the comfort that God gives. God's comfort is not changing your circumstances to make you comfortable, right? We think comfort means comfortable, right? The, the difference between sitting on a three-legged stool and sitting on a leather electric recliner That's not what God's comfort is. Here's the three components, I thought, from this passage that are important for God's comfort. God's comfort consists of His companionship. His companionship, right? I will say a little bit more about that man. God's comfort comes because of confidence in his character. He is near and the one that is near can be trusted absolutely. <coughs> He'll never fail. Isn't that what he says in Hebrews? I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. We've had people in our life who've come to us in difficult circumstances and they want to comfort us. But they're limited in their resources, aren't they? They're limited in their, their experience. And they're limited in their ability to relieve. But God is not limited at all. We can have absolute confidence that even if the worst comes, mm-hmm. we can trust them. We can mm-hmm. trust them. You see, God is good. All things work together for good. And we once did a children's Bible, and it was all about baking a cake, and a cake's good, but if you were to eat bicarbonate or soda on its own, it wouldn't be good, would it? If you were to eat a handful of flour, it wouldn't be good, would it? Eat too much icing would make you sick, wouldn't it? None of those things in themselves alone seem good, but put them together in the perfect balance and recipe, and what comes out the end? A good cake. That's what, that's what, we can have confidence, folks, that if the bitter experiences of life come our way, God is good. God Amen. is good. Amen. And the bicarbonate of soda will turn out to be a cake in the end. Amen. But not here. we well, get You know the other component of comfort? It's courage. It's courage. It's having enough confidence in God not to give up. Not to give up. This. How does God comfort us? Here's the four ways that God comforts us. One, by telling us what his own character is. Right? God is a God of all comfort. We've talked about that. But here's some other ways that God comforts us. Let's this. Romans 15. For whatsoever things were written a fourth time, were written for our learning. What are we talking about? We're talking about Scripture we? We're talking about the word of God, aren't we? Whatsoever things were written the fourth time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, the God of patience and consolation granted to be like minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, the comfort of God's word. We thank God for his word, don't we? This Bible is full of the comfort that we need in the midst of great circumstances. You only just need to go to the end of the book, at the end of this whole terrible book of Revelation. And who triumphs in the end? The Lord Jesus. Romans 15. What was the last enemy to be defeated? The last enemy to be defeated is death. And so we stood around a grave last Monday of an old brother that served the Lord, and boy we'd miss him, boy we'd miss him. Nearly five years since I put my own dad's body in the grave, and boy i never know a day passed without thinking about it. But you know what? You know what the scripture says? Amen. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Amen. The dead in Christ's That's just one example of how the scriptures will come to you and bring you comfort in the midst of great circles. Difficult circumstances. There's Bible. Don't you love it when somebody texts you a Bible verse that's just right for the time, right at the moment? And you don't say, "Oh, that was Jim's words." You look at it and you say, "Thank God for his words," mm-hmm. because the wisdom and the strength comes directly from God. I'm reading at the moment, John 15 and 16, and 17, John 14, 15, 16, 17. Do you know what the Lord Jesus calls the Holy Spirit? Another comforter. And it's exactly the same word. The word is paraclete. And there's a verb, paraclete, and a noun, paraclete. And the word just means somebody who draws alongside you. Somebody who comes right alongside you. And the Lord Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is the one that will draw alongside you in the times of your troubles and he says he's another comforter what he means is he's a comforter just like he was a comforter when he was here mm-hmm. you remember that i think it was john 6 we did a few thursdays ago remember they were on were on the water and the sea and the storm and the trouble and the lord jesus came to them you see the paraclete alongside and he said this fear not it king. is I. And the Holy Spirit makes real the presence of the Lord Jesus in our life. He ministers to us the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in strength and comfort and consolation and encouragement. And he says this, it is I. Remember Paul. Paul's last letter is Satan Timothy. And it's a a sad letter really. Listen to one one of the ways he concludes. Timothy before at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me, I pray it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and when everybody, everybody else left her, God's Spirit worked in his heart, probably what he's loved, mm-hmm. and gave him that personal assurance that he was not alone, the Lord was with him. Not in some theoretical, ethereal sense, but in a real and experimental sense, pouring strength and comfort and hope and confidence into his life. There's other, even you know, another way God comforts his people. His people. Comfort his people. This book's full of that. There's nine times in this book Paul speaks about a man called Titus. Uh, he, he was looking for Titus and couldn't find him. And then listen to what he says here. He says in 2 Corinthians 2.13 I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother. And then he says this in verse, chapter 7. We were comforted and exceedingly more rejoiced for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you. Titus came and encouraged Paul. Corinthians encouraged Titus. Christians encourage Christians. That's the point. We don't meet together just because it's Sunday morning, Thursday night, and we have to go to the meeting. We meet together because Christians encourage Christians, don't they? And there are some Christians that come and encourage you, and there are Christians that encourage you when they leave you. Isn't that right? Don't laugh, folks. That was the book of Job, wasn't it? You know what Job said about the three men that came to comfort him in Job? He says, miserable comforters, they were. <laughs> Don't be a miserable comforter, folk. If you go and sit with somebody, do you know what to do? Minister Christ to them. Speak encouragement to them. But here's the last one. The prayers of the Lord's people would comfort people, don't they? Look at this. He says this, Ye also helping together by prayer Very quickly. The purpose of trouble in a Christian's life, it makes us dependent on the Lord, doesn't it? The other thing is this, it keeps us from thinking too much about ourselves. Trouble stops us thinking about ourselves, doesn't it? Here's what Paul says, he says in 2 Corinthians 12-7, Unless I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelations that was given me a thorn in the flesh. In other words, in case I get too big for my boots, God said to me, You're just as fragile as anybody else is. Troubles and tribulations are that affecting us, don't they? They make us stop thinking that we're big enough and good enough to cope. There's none of us big enough and good enough to cope. But it equips us to be a blessing to others. That's what it does. Look at it. The comfort who comforts us is all tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted with God. It fits us to comfort other people. I remember this, folks. And, 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 it was a family in... And, and, To be able to comfort somebody in their circumstances does not mean you have necessarily passed through the same circumstances, folks. That doesn't mean that. Now, if you've passed through the same circumstances, it gives you an extra kind of strength to your goal when it comes to helping people, right? Because you've you've walked in their shoes, you've walked their path, and you can say, I understand. But to be able to be comfort doesn't necessarily mean you have to have suffered that. It just means you need to be prepared to share what you know of the comfort that God has given you. You're sharing. I've never been where you are, but where I was, God comforted me. And what he did for me, he'll do for you. And that doesn't even mean having to say anything. I remember a family in North Shields. their oldest son, Adam, was born with a very, very severe debilitating disease. And they said he wouldn't last more than them. Was it eight years? Ago? I can't remember. Anyway, Adam survived till he was 18. And his mum and dad were totally devoted to the care of Adam. And Adam was just a delightful boy. He couldn't speak, but he could make noises. And uh, he was just a... And you would hear him. You would bring him to the meetings. And he would grunt when he should be saying amen. And it was just, you know, it was just, it was just wonderful. I remember the night that Adam died. I remember getting that phone call from Peter and Hilary saying to Adam, I, a home. I never, lost a boy. never lost a boy. But within five minutes, I was sitting in the city beside Peter and Hilary. I this has got nothing to do with me. This is the goodness and graciousness of God because God has sent people to me to do this to me. And I remember sitting with Peter and Hilary for nearly half an hour, one on each side, arm around each one of them, and not a word was spoken. Do you know what we did? We just wept together. We just wept together. That was not fancy sermons. That was not theological exposition. That was the comfort wherewith we are comforted of God. We are able to comfort others in their tribulation. Wouldn't you love to be a comforter like that? Wouldn't you love to have a ministry that can go and put your arm around suffering saints and say, We love you. And the Lord will comfort you. And by your very presence and by your very prayers, God ministers through you His comfort to their soul. And they don't say after you've gone, Jim comforted me. They say, The Lord comforted me. That's what they say. And all the glory goes back to the Lord. We haven't even gone down verse, by verse. I wanted now to go down verse by verse, but we're going to attend that. you need to do that. But can you see the point? Do you hear what Paul's saying? Listen, it's tough to be a Christian. God is great. God is good. And whatever circumstance you find it in, His comfort will be absolutely sufficient. He'll not leave you alone. He won't abandon you. He won't let you suffer miserably. He'll come to you in all His goodness, with His word, and with His spirit, and with His people. And He'll come to you, and then He'll say to you, You, okay, see what you've got? Go and go share that with somebody else. Go and share that with somebody else. And right at the end, He says this You help them together with your prayers. That's how we can help each other. We can pray for each other. Isn't it wonderful when somebody folds you up and says, I'm praying for you? Isn't it wonderful? Or texts you and says, I'm praying for you this morning. And you know that's true because you know that that prayer that they're offering to the Lord is God's sovereign way of blessing you and encouraging you. Do you know what I've discovered? And you know, I'm too slow to learn these things. It's great to have people pray for you, it is wonderful. Wonderful when somebody prays with you. is that right? Way. Just get that little extra thing to it when somebody draws by your side. I don't mean ostentatiously, just never in a corner or on the street or on the floor. let me pray with you. And what does that do? It ministers God's comfort to you. Brothers and sisters, if you're in for an easy if you want an easy life, you're in the wrong business being a Christian. Hmm. Okay? End of the story. Hmm. But if you're in for serious seriously. There's a resource of comfort and strength that cannot be estimated or described. The God of all comfort. May the Lord help us to receive comfort from in our tribulation. Lord, thank thee for thy word that just helps us so much. We stumble over it and talk about things maybe we don't know too much about. And we pray, Lord, that the Ministry of the Spirit, through the Word, I even the Ministry this morning may be a blessing and a comfort. Thankful to be together, thankful for the food, and we give thanks in the Lord's name. Stow your tray table, put your seat in the upright position, We you're ready to (laughs) (coughs) go.